0: everybody howdy I'm Alan I'm Britt still huh welcome to A-B testing Especially welcome to our new listeners. I did a webinar last week and picked up a few new listeners. AB Testing is your best podcast in the world for, (laughs) oh, well, actually, nothing. AB Podcast. Going gently to sleep at night. (laughs) AB Podcast is a possibly interesting podcast for those interested in software quality, Uh, agile testing, and what Brent and I call modern testing. We talk about everything from test management, leadership, agile quite a bit, Uh, software engineering, tools, favorite colors, squirrels.
1: And data science.
0: And data science. Look, Brent, (laughs) someone's talking about data science. Uh, We did pick up a few new listeners, as I mentioned a moment ago, from uh, I gave a a webinar on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday?
1: Yes. Okay, that correlates.
0: Because webinar Wednesday rolls off the tongue where that alliteration did not happen.
1: Uh, you Tuesday. know what? It really should be. I mean that. I mean that works perfect.
0: Well, interestingly <laughs> enough, I gave. A, uh, I don't even know which direction to go. The tangents are going to start. Uh, I gave the webinar on Tuesday for AST on the use and abuse capital A B for AB testing abuse. <laughs>
1: uh, ah, nice,
0: nice Uh test automation. Give a lot of my rants. Got some good feedback on that. I was really happy with the way that went. Webinars are always tough because you can't read the audience. And just to challenge myself again, I'm doing another webinar uh, next Tuesday. Not the next week. I'm skiing. The following Tuesday, the 27th, I'll be giving a webinar. I will put I put the link on Twitter, but I'll put it in the show notes today. It's on the future of test automation. I'm doing it with Oren, whose name I can't remember. Who is the CEO at Testim? Test. Who make uh, a tool for applying machine learning to testing? Nice. <laughs> yeah, I need like that part. Uh, nice. But yet we have some different ideas on where things are going. My ideas are very much aligned with what you and I talk about with modern testing.
1: I was a little concerned when you mentioned that you're you're doing two person panel for that one, and I'm like, okay, who's this guy? But now I feel a lot better about what this panel is And what's be.
0: really cool, if you want to watch it, is uh, there will be a demo of his tool at the end, which normally I don't like, ah, oh, marketing thing. But he and I, we've actually prepped for this thing. We spent some time talking about questions that may come up and actually preparing for this thing, which is a new thing for me. Preparing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> there is crazy crap going down <laughs> in diesel land. <laughs> How
1: does that work?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it may actually be all right. Nice. We already have a lot of people signed up. I hope more of the three listen. Brent, again, for the new listeners, I've mentioned the three a few times. Can you tell our new listeners what that means? Yes,
1: it's, it's very simple. We have three listeners, yes. and we affectionately refer
0: to them as the three. And if any one of you asks a question, we say, oh, you're one of the three.
1: Absolutely. Oh. It's kind of like, I don't know, Jimmy Buffett calls his guys the Parrot Heads. And then the, Justin Bieber has one. I
0: uh, who Who is this Justin Bieber?
1: Uh, it, some stupid kid from Canada.
0: Yeah, wait, it's that wait. sort of thing. I'm going to Canada next week. I can't say dumb things about Canadians. Perhaps they're listening. Or oh, perhaps sure. they'll just apologize for Justin Bieber.
1: Well, they, yeah, they, they have several people to apologize for.
0: Oh, oh, like we don't? Like like, we don't?
1: No, no, for sure. For sure. (laughs) I was thinking Celine Dion. (laughs) Anyway. um,
0: Oh, Brent, 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 we're going to make so many people mad. We're going to have two listeners next week.
1: We always have three. Yep.
0: Early on in our podcast, Brent and I would joke about our three listeners and then people would It was uh, actually
1: our first episode.
0: Was it really? It was. Maybe we'll get three listeners. Yeah. But then people we kept on it stuck and then people would go, Hey, I'm one of the three and it kind of developed. So that's where that came from. Uh if there are other things you don't know about us you want to know, you're welcome to ask us questions for the and Brent tried to tangent on this for the mailbag. And some ways to get mailbag questions to us, I know Brent's going to bring this up in a minute, so I'm not, not going to leave even an ounce of silence in my talk, so he cannot get any words in. But the way you get information to the mailbag and to us to answer your question and give us something intelligent for once to talk about is to either ping us on Slack. I'm Alan Page, A-L-A-N-P-A-G-E, and Brent is Brent M. Jensen, Jensen with an E. Or you can. You
1: have to breathe sometime. Email alan.
0: me at Alan, A L A N, at angryweasel.com, and I will take it there. In fact, I had one question there from the webinar I was going to answer today, but I'm not going to. I'm going to save it for another mailbag, and I'm really not going to give you a chance, and we're going to go on. Uh, in fact, the rest of the show. <laughs>
1: I'll just sit here in time.
0: <laughs> we also have a Slack group, one of the You will need to use one of the aforementioned uh, communication methods to get me your email address so I can send you an invitation. Happy to have you there. All three of us discuss things um, about the show, about things related to the show. It's a good little micro discussion. And as I found out this week, some people join the Slack channel just to get an A-B testing sticker. And yes, if you join the Slack group and you find your way there and you join the channel called I Want a Sticker and you post your address, eventually, usually fairly quickly, but eventually I will send you A-B testing stickers. If you are listening and you posted your... You didn't think I do it this long, did you, Brent? <laughs> if you are listening, and and and, and I, I had three people post their addresses this week, and those went out in the mail yesterday, so look in your mailbox. Okay, Brent, I have to bring in the
1: episode. This episode <laughs> comes it. out. Oh, actually, we I can't predict when it. You going to finish it today?
0: Yeah, I'll get it out. It'll come out on s- Sunday, probably.
1: Uh, okay, so it may come out. If you're listening day. to this episode, you'll need to figure out how to go back in time. Because Alan committed to shipping all the stickers out today.
0: Yeah, if there's any more posted today, I'll get them out tomorrow. I'm driving to Canada on Sunday, uh, possibly according to the weather forecast in a snowstorm, but we'll see what happens. Whistler? Going to Whistler. Nice. Favorite ski place.
1: Last time I was there, my 19-year-old was three.
0: I've gone every year for about the last eight years. I really, yeah, it's my It's my therapy. It's how I get through the winters. Okay. Oh, is this episode 76?
1: (laughs) Episode 76. Not Um, that we're counting. So what would, on your webinar, uh, what was the key things people were
0: questioning about? I can post a link to the recording. I I have to remember now. Uh, So the webinar was about all my gripes about test automation. In fact, much of it was based on many of the things I rant about in the A word free on lean pub. Yep. You notice how like I had A B in the webinar, a, a B testing, abuse and misuse of of test automation. One thing I did on purpose that maybe was too subtle is in the A word, got the A and the W kind of squished together a little bit like angry weasel. Look at you all um I'm all I'm all clever. subliminal. <laughs> I'm I'm the Illuminati. <laughs> Questions were the typical things about what if management wants me to write UI automation? Well, you can change your manager or you can change your manager. Often, and the answer, of course, we talked about a lot is pilot, use data, uh, don't be complacent, don't be afraid to make change. I. The branch? There's definitely. You a, asked.
1: I know, I know. That one. If your manager wants you to write UI automation in particular, right, then you, as the knowledge expert that he has hired, I think the onus is on you to correct your manager's understanding on the ROI of this topic.
0: Sure, sure. And I've told the story, I it. think it was in How We Test Software at Microsoft. Uh, remember that book? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But I've mentioned it a lot of times, is my very first day at Microsoft. I was given a list of test cases and asked to run them every day I said when do you need these automated they said oh no we don't have time to automate but I automated them anyway because it was the right thing to do and I just did it uh,
1: uh, uh, there are things like that where I will automate it because I am not doing this again manually
0: well I think uh, (laughs) boy we could go way off in the tangent you want to get to the main topic uh, of community which we started last time and didn't get as far as we wanted so we want to go a little bit farther there. Yep. but as far as uh, we've talked about command and control and and the spider and the starfish and, and empowered people and all these different things, but I think in knowledge work in general, uh, one, management doesn't work if you just tell people what to do and ju- just give them exact destruct. Here's what you do all day today. We're, we're not building widgets in a factory. But that freedom, being able to take advantage of that freedom properly and knowing when to push back, I think is part of being successful in knowledge work.
1: I don't think most... Man, so management as a whole, right, is a command and control structure, but I don't think most managers are really wired that way, right? Every manager, for example, every manager I've ever worked for, let's imagine <clears throat> I work for you, Alan. Let's imagine I come to you and say, Oh, wait,
0: I, I got this, Brent, you're fired. All
1: right, great. So I work for another Alan, um, and I come to him, and I I have two options for R101. One, I say, hey, Alan, I'm done with this. What would you like me to do next? Or two, Alan, I'm done with this. I'm thinking these next three things are the next things I I should work on. Is there an order that you think would best value the business? Right, It's one of those things where I'm just like, a lot of the times, particularly I see it in tests. I think a big part of it is the what well, we talk about—the enablement loop or the disablement loop—where I, I think a lot of tests is just used to just getting instructions, and they've 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 gotten to the point that that's how they operate.
0: I don't think or no, I the the optimist in me likes to think that's not as true as it used to be.
1: I know it's not as true as it used to be.
0: So. Uh, delving deeper into Tangentville, I mentioned uh, last time or the time before, but anyway, sometime last month I met with my leads and then again met with my peers to discuss just people in the org and kind of how they were doing. And we're talking about levels and, le- and internally Unity has some levels, we're kind of figuring them out so we don't really communicate them to people, but just kind of helps us talk about people the same way. Uh, which I think is fine We're we 're in that part of growth, but what kind of came out of that, and this is true of levels at Microsoft, and those are the only two i 'm intimately familiar with, although i 've talked a lot with people a lot about levels at Google and Facebook as well um, but point is that the point I was eventually going to make sometime down the road was that in when someone 's brand new maybe out of college or or barely or changing uh disciplines. There's, They need more instruction. They need more For hand-holding. Sure. There's a, there's, they need to be sometimes like that first person you described. And then there's a maturity where they start figuring out what work to get done. And they come to you to bounce them off you, get prioritization. And then there's – that maturity continues. I spent – uh, I, until my last job, I spent where it was a little bit more of the micromanagey actually even there i still figured out what i did still defined all my own work uh it was just a little more stressful environment but i spent my last 10 maybe more years at my, maybe 15 years at microsoft defining and prioritizing all of my own work and uh that was the expectation for someone at my level of seniority and maturity is that I should figure out what's the most important thing to do. And I was better suited for prioritization than my manager was. I may bounce ideas off of him for bigger scale things like that may involve organizational change or or affect a big number of people to get some feedback. But it was more of a discussion and brainstorming than it was a prioritization. So anyway, taking the subject away from me, because that's not what it's all about today at least – is that that maturation happens. And I expect as people get more senior in their knowledge work and more experience that not only do they seek out and figure out what the most important work is to do, but they're able to prioritize it correctly most of or all of the time.
1: There is, um, I don't know if they're still active, but one of the best topics I've ever studied on this is, is, well, classes rather is situational leadership, which walks through the manager employee relationship on a particular task and it's very similar to what you just talked about right a manager's job is to direct initially and then try to shift it over to a, a more of a coaching style and then get the hell out of the person's way yep um, but I don't think it's a person level maturity but rather a topic level maturity people at any level at any time are more than welcome and welcomed to with the tools that they have in their tool bag identify problems try to connect it to something that the business cares about and then also bring forward with a solution that's one of the biggest things i i push my people towards like look as as, as you and i have said on the podcast ideas come from other ideas and um Good ideas can come from anywhere. You have to create an environment in which you encourage that to occur. So one of the things, and I think it's actually relevant to the topic. uh, I thought you were just about
0: to lead into it. That was if ever we. You you are you are practically segueing. I know. Um, Until now,
1: so ideas can come from anywhere. The environmental context can help suppress people coming up with the ideas or sharing them and um, at least I and this is one of the issues with command and control particularly with new managers I see this a lot with new managers they go I am accountable therefore I must make the decisions and um and whereas my approach is I am accountable therefore I must make decisions that are correct and I don't necessarily presume that my decisions are if there's a timeliness stuff right I still hold veto power uh, one of my favorite phrases on my team as you know I, I run um, a, 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 a I execute via Kanban style all the things we talk about around no specialists, no generalists, I live and breathe that on every single day. So I've, I've created something. Uh, I don't know fully enough of how, what Lisa talks about when she says whole team, but I certainly know the, uh, the concept. But nevertheless, uh, at times, my team is reminded uh, that I spend a lot of time and effort to make my team feel like a democracy but it's not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh interesting you bring that up. I was yeah. just had a conversation yesterday, someone gave me actually a lot of parallels here. The one of the people on my team was going over uh his suggestion or he was working with the dev team and I'm I'm hands on and hands off. I'm hands on as a coach, hands off as far as I think the team makes the decisions. I will give uh strong suggestions, but I won't very few, if I can recall any, I'll bring them up, but mandates, like we're all going to do this. Like, let's go in this direction. you on board. Okay. I'll help you get there. So the question was around setting up a Kanban board. Okay. And I had some uh, suggestions on like, if you don't, I think if you don't do this, this will happen. But he goes, so it sounds like you want to do this. I said, my suggestion is you have a way to handle this and here's one way to do it. The decision's yours. And I realized I I do that a lot. I try – I don't try and make decisions for people even if they ask me to make it for them because I want them – one of the things I think helps people grow in maturity and grow in in leadership skills. And I think when you're in modern testing and you need to be influential over your team, having leadership skills are important. And I found the only way to get good at decision-making is to practice decision-making and practice – making changes that people may not be comfortable with the Hefetz quote from leadership on the line. I use a lot. People nod their head. They laugh then they nod their head is leadership is disappointing people at a level they can absorb. And Brett just nodded his head and laughed. That's what I get every yeah. time someone hears that. And it really is. If, if you're just complacent, not going to get change. If you're, I know leaders who say this, we're doing this, this is what we're doing. And people are there. It's, they're not on board. That it's, it's too much disappointment at once, and 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 the right things don't happen there either. But you want to keep people. I mean, if you, for organizational change, especially, uh, there's a level of uncomfortableness where you actually get the most productivity and the most change. Yeah, something, something to think about.
1: There's um, almost every book on the planet around business project management will will talk about that that if you make them just a little uncomfortable, you get a lot more productivity.
0: Yeah, I uh, often change absorb to tolerate. I think leadership is disappointing people at a level they can tolerate. I think it's, uh, to me, that one works a little bit, little bit better, but it's the same thing.
1: The issue, though, like what you brought up with, with your discussion, and I do think it, this, is, this is an important one. Like, if, if uh, this individual had come to me, uh, they would have start and start um, getting my speech on leadership um, because there's there's you cannot come to me and ask for permission to be a leader. Right, right. It, it it's no like what they're what they're saying is really can I be the decision maker and hold you still accountable no <laughs> that's not what leadership
0: is all right shall we start the episode sure okay i'm gonna hit record just kidding <laughs> uh we wanted to continue our discussion from the last episode on community a couple topics on the board but i'll let you kick it off so because you have some notes brent prepared. well it's just the
1: the agenda um Last time we started talking about community and building community and Alan shared uh, a lot of his experiences, but the question that was asked of us was rather deep. There's a lot of subtlety there and um, we felt it was worthwhile bringing it up again. Um, I don't have the, the question written down, um, but in essence the question was, hey, how do I create a community uh, when my target audience is essentially testers who the the person has observed, don't see the need, aren't engaged, and want to be spoon-fed. And um, uh, I think the prior topic that we just had, well – is ac- not as much of a tangent on this one. Did
0: we accidentally talk about something relevant? We did. That's so weird. Yeah. So,
1: Alan <laughs> What are the problems that you see in constructing a community from ground up? Like we we did spend a lot of time talking about the, the vision of how you build a community, right? You need to uh, and we talked about your approach which we resolved as essentially we want to shift from a spider organization to a starfish organization that's the vision now let's today let's talk about the specific context the the test community that that he's referring to here and what what would be the first step
0: so i've spun up we talked about my communities at microsoft uh, i've spun up several, I, without realizing it, without intending to, I spun up several communities at Microsoft and then uh, probably the, the best, com- as far as the most mature community, as far as any sort of community maturity model is my QA slash test community at Unity. But starting from scratch, uh, you need a little bit of a shared, like what is the purpose of the community first? We have a nice little mission statement you may have heard of at Unity. Accelerate the achievement of shippable quality.
1: I have heard this mission <laughs> statement a couple times before.
0: And it gives you <laughs> a thing to rally around. And then, uh, but even beyond there, one thing I've done at Unity, I probably do this by by heart, but maybe three months in, when I about the time I was realizing it was a community, about the time I knew enough about the org to want to develop some rallying cries for us, I realized a uh, couple points I wanted us to rally around. One is moving towards a data-driven culture. So yep. we, w- we will use data to evaluate the quality of our product in production and use that to make decisions, get us closer to the customer, et cetera. The paragraph follows that. But everyone knows that's very, very important. And I'm going to come back to something in a second. We will share our successes and failures with each other and use those to learn and get better. And that's pretty much it and then I use the community it's self-fulfilling because the second one's about community but I use the community to make that happen and then there's some tactical things I've done to help build that community and I want to go back and reflect on this process with some of my Microsoft communities as well I think it'll be fairly similar
1: let me, let me change the scenario briefly right? because you have an advantage in this particular case because uh, you're the boss right? if you need to
0: I, I thought you were going to say you're incredibly good-looking, but I'll be the boss. Okay.
1: Um, the last check that you sent me hasn't cleared yet, so <laughs> there will be no compliments today. Um, the uh, And when you have a role of authority, there is absolutely an advantage, particularly if you know that this is your vision. My job yeah. is to create this community and then – Get it self-sustained so, and get out.
0: Okay. So let me finish the Unity story. Let me go, then I'll go back and reflect on my Microsoft communities, which in no case was I the boss of.
1: But uh, So a scenario I want you to think about, and maybe okay. it's aligned with that second one, is let's imagine that Tony, who asked this question, hired you to be a community consultant. Okay. And you were going to go to his company, spend a week there, and create a thriving community and then disappear.
0: A week. (laughs) So let me go through those scenarios in order. So let me finish the Unity story. I found ways to reinforce community, and this is weird. I did not come up with this idea myself. But the leads, beer, my leads, and I came up with this uh, mostly them. In fact, maybe all them at our offsite last August. We had talked a lot about community before them. Uh, One of the things we've done just sent out the twentieth weekly newsletter yesterday we and the newsletter is in this case it's sometimes not always it's uh just something everyone needs to know like or something about we ship here's our vision or no because we it's too many many things going on no okay i don't welcome new people i don't say things shipped a lot of the initial newsletters were promoting something else we did for community was get everyone together from around the world in one spot for a couple days Uh, That helped build community, helped get everybody on the same page, get everybody in alignment on things. Uh, A lot of times I just share articles, web articles about software quality or about being data driven, about things that align with our mission. And it adds some commentary. And those are taking off. And I start getting replies like yesterday I sent one out and today I got, oh, you mentioned this. Have you seen these articles and some really cool articles? Uh, uh, So that was cool. When I try to do, I don't do often enough yet, but remember my goal around sharing each other's successes and failures. So I try to in each one. I don't get everyone is to get someone to share something going on in their team. Like, hey, I use this. Like the last one was last week. Uh, A guy on my team put together, who's also occasionally one of the three, he was playing with using Grafana to map out uh, uh, web errors, 50X errors from uh, one of our websites, and saw an interesting interesting number of 503s that shouldn't have been there. It's just a static web page. And he dug in and found out, oh, this is a bug. And worse yet, it's a bug that could be exploited as a security issue. So it was just a nice little issue of, like, I'm going to use this tool and I'm going to see what I discover. Oh, look, I discovered something bad. And then here I wrote this up on this this page in our wiki page on how you can do this yourself and test your own stuff out. So it's really good for sharing an experience of what you learned. And I, I like those things. Those things help build community. So I do some things like that. I make sure I celebrate in Slack, in our company Slack, the things that people do that align with our accelerate the achievement of quality or moving towards being more data-driven. Then we go back to Microsoft, and I'll get to Tony eventually, where I ran a couple different communities, uh, some from the beginning, some I joined and sort of took over. For some reason, I've fallen back on writing newsletters because I can do it very quickly. I, some, I enjoy writing I can get uh, newsletters people like done. So when I was in engineering excellence at Microsoft, I would send a monthly test newsletter to all testers at Microsoft.
1: <sighs> I don't remember a single one of those.
0: Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, and we started doing a newsletter with the testing quality experts, quality and test experts community. Uh, I would include like bug. It, it was just some ways to get people interested. I was trying to grow, make that community self-sustaining. Got partially there. Eventually, someone took over the newsletter for me. Before that, community died when TCN died, uh, and I also did that eh, much f- less frequently for the uh, test architect group. But in Xbox, also had a weekly. Do we do a weekly? Every other week, we did a frequent newsletter. It was that one was a lot of fun. It worked. I had a lot of people contribute. Articles and ideas for that. It was a way to share ideas, uh, tools, uh, concepts across the org. I did a, one of my best April Fools newsletters was, was in the Xbox org. I really need to dig that up sometime. I'm really, really happy with that one. Uh, but it's just finding some ways to get people together. Uh, it could be meetings, it could be events, it could be beer. But finding a way to get to have one, you have a a mission or a vision, a thing you want to accomplish together and a way to encourage people to be a part of that community, contribute to the community and leverage, uh, leverage people, leverage the community to grow. I think a community is a means to discover what you don't know you don't know you also get out what you put into the community. If you contribute and share your ideas, you're probably going to find more ideas that, that inspire you and help you create new ideas. So a bunch of things I want to... Okay, and then I'll, go, then I'll go on to what I do if I'm, I'm a consultant for Tony. But okay, go, But go ahead and add your, your stuff.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, and it'll be good because I think it'll help frame your next topic. So um, a lot of the communities that Alan just mentioned, um, I was a member of... Um one in particular, I'm thinking about the test architect group. There was one phenomenon um that that uh that I noticed, and that whenever it was the the scheduled day for the community and Alan couldn't make it, it got canceled. Right? So part of the problem in this particular case is Alan loves this stuff, he's very effective at it. Uh, but he ended up being the virtual leader. and when the leader wasn't there, it didn't happen
0: and And so one of the things That's why I say self-sustaining most right. often
1: is the goal it self-sustaining is. and one of the things i would I would actually so a couple of suggestions I have for you based off of the experience and what you just described for me, okay um, create a community of the newsletter producers. And your first task is say, hey, I want the newsletter to go out every month. I want us to first figure out what is the principles around how it's going to be built because I want people to look at that and not tell, not be able to tell that it was a different person sending in each month. And then the next thing we're going to do is figure out a rotational model. I will I will do the first few of them until we are happy with the iteration. But by the end of summer, each of you guys is, gonna, is going to take point and we're going to rotate through and you're going to own sending this. What you have to do is then use that command and control to force them to learn and to spread. The next phase after that is, how do you get them to want to maintain the rotational model? And it would take longer than podcast for me to go through suggestions yeah. on that one
0: and i wouldn't even uh, i'll build on that
1: the uh, last thing i i would suggest to you is make a key section of your of your newsletter are you sending it out monthly weekly weekly okay make a key section of your weekly newsletter the most glorious fail that occurred in your team and figure out a way to send that person a gift card or some <laughs> sort of little incentive.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree that uh one thing we could do more of is you know, I mentioned in my my principles is uh celebrate our successes and failures. And actually both internally and publicly, I want to post more of what we're doing around uh quality and you know services on the Unity blog and, and we're we're getting there. Uh, but we don 't celebrate the failures enough, and we I do want to do more of that and it 's harder to get people of course to to recognize those and and thankfully we 're not making very many epic failures so that 's good, but yes, I agree those things should be there. I agree oh, that I want to add no it 's my turn now okay, so, my and I also agree that uh you do want a community of people distributing the newsletter, and I do agree you want to have a group of people that can send the newsletter. Kicking it off here for the first several months, I've been happy to do it. I think it's the right thing for me to do it, to establish a cadence, to prove we can do it weekly, to prove that we can get value from that. Uh, I'm stepping away next week, and people have no problem uh, stepping in and making sure there's a newsletter done while I'm gone. And eventually, uh, they will contribute more and more. They actually all contribute the article ideas. They they get uh, ideas for articles from their team, and I play editor a lot of times and sometimes if we're light on stuff I have no problem just kind of writing a little mini blog post about because I read a lot of articles on the internet that I find this would be interesting for the team let me add a little commentary to get them engaged in it and, and, and explain why it's relevant to our mission and then they are pretty good about jumping in and, and getting some new ideas you want to say something and I want to talk about what I do for Tony's team if I'm his consultant no, no, go ahead talk about Tony okay Tony hires me to come in to so help me build a community I don't come into Tony's team and say, okay, I'm going to give you a newsletter. That that's, You only have a week. <laughs> I have a week. So the first thing I want to do is find out from Tony, what's the goal of your community? What And do you, you
1: want get to paid do? six months later after they've seen the results. Fine, fine. All right,
0: good. Fine. <laughs> I want to hey. find out what – I always start with why. What do you want to accomplish? What's the reason for having a community? And – I'm going to hypothesize that it's uh, we have a lot of siloism. People aren't uh, we have people working on the same things because they don't know what each other are working on. Uh, we're not people aren't learning as much as they could if they had a way to connect with each other. I say, okay, great. So let's come up with a what what's the the mission or the goal for the community, and maybe it's we want given the, that criteria. We want to have a means of discovering what we don't know we don't know. And maybe we'll work to, I'll work with Tony a little bit. This is all like over coffee in the morning. We'll come up with, as a test community of practice at Ronco Widget Factory, we want to share ideas with, with each other and use those ideas to develop bigger ideas that help us accelerate the achievement of shippable quality or help us achieve our quality goals or help us whatever. Have a purpose for community, have and something that's compelling, and you think if I told people this on my team, they go, yeah, that's something that we we should do. I would start with that, and then I would meet, maybe team by team, depending on the org, how big the org is, and how structured it is. I want to get some information from people on what their biggest challenges are, and are their challenges being would their challenges be addressed by this community, or would some of their challenges be addressed by this community, and find out if the community idea makes sense for solving their problems. Chances are it will. Uh, but I don't know that. I don't want to. The last thing you want to do is think, okay, we got to really push this community thing when it's not the biggest problem. Uh, eventually community, a community of practice, if you will, uh, at a small scale, Uh, Someone pointed out an article this week on communities of practice that was talking about communities at a very, very large scale, which I think is a different beast entirely. So within a company, within a small organization, this community of practice can help solve a lot of problems. So anyway, I've talked to people, talked to some people, on the uh, maybe people that aren't even going to be in the community, say, what do you expect? If we had a community of the testers in this org, what would you expect that community to accomplish that they're not accomplished now? And chances are... If community is an issue, they've seen things like, "Well, I talked to Joe and and Cindy, and they're both working on the same thing, but they don't, they they've, there's no desire for them to connect and learn from each other." So once I have all that, can you talk briefly?
1: Um, because I think our listeners know very well we we care very much about learning organizations, mm-hmm. but. We've also spent a lot of time this episode and in the last episode sort of framing community as something that is inherently valuable. And I don't think it is. I think community is a means to an end. Sure. So why would the business care about you building a community?
0: The business cares about continuous improvement and i think the business cares whether they know it's called this or not a learning organization i think the business cares that about efficiency and i think the business cares about results the last one community helps indirectly but everything else community helps directly the community helps i think it
1: helps directly
0: for results yeah I think
1: think the biggest reason to form a community is to create a means by which people don't know what they don't know. Okay, So community solves a knowledge-sharing problem. If you you run a business and you realize that there's rampant duplication of effort, you have two choices Uh, generally. Allow it to continue and let your leaders run their business as they see fit um build a central centralized organization that's going to be responsible for this duplication of effort and force everyone else I call that the WTF model uh, Windows test framework yep. but a community is no let's it's more of an in between when it comes to business results
0: so i realized as i we've been talking that I wonder if, because community evolved for me over time. And I wonder if starting with the idea of I need to build a community isn't what I, in my consultant role at Tony's Org, isn't what I do. I would actually focus on, I would do everything I did before, but I may leave, after I talk to everyone, leave Tony a list of, here's some things you could do on your team that would help grow community potentially, but I maybe you have to plant a bunch of seeds to get the nucleus of a community going versus going, we're just going to start a community. Let me give you an example going way back. You reminded me that around the turn of the century, <laughs> seriously, when I was working on, uh, starting with Windows Millennium and then moving on to Windows CE, when I again, actually I was a lead back then, so I had a fairly large org. One of the things I did was a weekly it started off as a group code review, but ended up being sort of show and tell, and this isn't the kind of code review where you'd look at every single line and screw The kind of we do day to day, you know, peer code review. This was more of a group show and tell where we'd sometimes, mostly, we walk through code. Like here's architecture of how I built this thing, or here's how it's working. Uh, that knowledge sharing. A lot of it was, oh, there's a DLL that does this thing that you're doing, or don't you find some more big sweeping things. It was great opportunity for learning and sharing, but sometimes uh, I had PMs on my team at the time, program managers, and they would go over uh, more conceptual things they were working on. Like here's the way this framework is going to work. We had a CE test kit we gave developers and a PM on my team in charge of that. And he would talk about the direction and what it was going to do for our customers, et cetera. But that show and tell we had a community again, I was in charge ish, but that, even that was a form of community. So what I'm going to leave Tony with is based on the problems I hear from his team, I'm going to look for ways where knowledge sharing may help. And I might start right with knowledge sharing. You should do this group code review thing. Just get people doing it. Get it regular. I think people will will latch on to it. Uh, it could be maybe we're going to do a test talk once a month. And someone, someone or maybe it's Tony starting at first. We'll see if we can get a few people signed up that have some good ideas. And we'll get them to once a month Talk for a half hour, we'll bring in some snacks, get people connecting. Uh, And maybe a list of things that may help build community, but maybe not even start with the goal of community. Because community is the means to an end on becoming a learning organization, on getting ideas to mesh and learning new ideas. But I think if I had a week to kind of get things going, I would, and I'm gonna be evaluated on how things are going in six months, I'm going to give Tony a fairly tactical list of here. Do these things for the next six months. It should take a fairly minimal amount of effort. It's going to take some effort, and let's see what's and let's see what builds over that time. Sure, sure. I mean
1: the uh, value I would add to that. I think I'll tell you the one thing that I've learned from Google, and I've still not seen Microsoft uh, do this. Tony talks about. Testers aren't engaged because they don't see the value. And what you have to do is is boil the frog here and, and find ways to get people to see the value on their own without you telling right. them.
0: And I didn't say that directly. That's one of the reasons I want to talk to the individuals on the team is yep. find out what they're interested in, what would engage them, and make sure we have a I think if you might see someone's unengaged until you find the topic they care about or the topics they care about. And all of a sudden they have an opinion.
1: Yes. Uh, Like the the biggest problem with siloism is um, since you're siloed, you don't know what other people know. And um, I can guarantee you in any organization of sufficient size, there are two people working on similar things that would prefer to work together to get it done faster. And the more you can use, find those folks and um, get them connected and working together towards a common goal, that's your seed. You just need two people, two people to use as an in-house case study and motivate them to, to succeed. Google does this practice. I don't know if they still do it, but the weekly status report, uh, as I understand it, everyone in Google every day on, or every Friday writes a status report. It, you it, And it goes into a public index. I love this idea.
0: Which is then searchable.
1: It's searchable. I um, People can go, how many other people are working on a similar concept? Now, you don't use terms like duplication of effort because that's – jurisdiction and, and command and control and gets people defensive. You cannot build a con- community of defensive people. It's just impossible. But you can encourage and say, hey, maybe you guys can learn from each other or maybe you guys could kill this faster. Um, one, My particular team highly values knowledge sharing because uh, I started off with pushing command and control no you will write this doc you will put it in one note you will blah 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 and then they would discover like oh crap i had to fix this bug i didn't write this code thank god OneNote had documented uh who did it what their approach was and what they're thinking i could go and search one note and i got the answer immediately and i saw it and they knew it's that knowledge sharing actually had just saved them five hours of searching through Git. So you start small and you begin to break down those barriers and that's how you get engagement going. Um, I like the status report idea because it's, then it's very easy to go to scale and figure out which people have sort of a similar bent on topics of interest the there is a great book on this topic um it's called influencer how to change uh anything and it goes through and it talks about a very tactical set of steps that uh, they've done studies on and if you follow the steps it's it's a comp, it's um it's a complex framework once you've practiced it a couple of times um i i have deployed it multiple times uh it is extremely effective um their their answers are or rather their numbers show that it's a greater than 90 percent success rate in terms of executing a change um influencer how to change anything again is the title of the book
0: if i'm if i'm good i'll put a link in but the rest of you know how to use a search engine
1: yep to build a community, you have to address simultaneously the extrinsic value, why you're building a community. What what problem for the business is gonna yeah,
0: solve? Always start with why.
1: And you also have to address the intrinsic value. Why is all right, I'm gonna build a community because I think Alan and Steve need to knowledge share and that the business is gonna benefit, be more productive. That's
0: not a very good why.
1: No. Um, but you also have to address why Alan and Steve care. How are you going to get what's what's their motivation? What are they going to get out of it? Um, and if you have a, a model and an approach that addresses both of these concerns, and it's going to be very context sensitive, you can move forward. You you know that it's a test community. If I were going into doing a test community, I would start on something very tactical, probably on the topic of modern testing. Like, Alan's got this webinar. Hey, check out this cool machine learning test case. I I just spent last week and did uh, your team's entire job using this tool.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah. Find a way to get people engaged. and think. But first, think about the problem you really want to solve and understand why a building a community if that's your goal or what are the ways that will solve that problem but always start with why what are you going to do with it and then of course uh make sure people are engaged understand why it's important for them uh we are out of time i am still alan and
1: i am brent thank you
0: <laughs> we'll see you next time bye what?